your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tragoski is in here. Well, he's not in here with me. When are we going to do that, Tragoski? By by September, where you literally could be in here? Well, I, I guess it depends when we can get the vaccination, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. We'd still have to be with. It, it would be. Is it better to do this on the phone and be able to talk freely, or to be in the same room and have to wear a mask? Because we'd have to wear masks in here, and that'd be kind of annoying too. Yeah, that would be kind of annoying. But hey, you know, I, I'm just about to start spring semester at UWL, and I, I teach in a mask, so I guess I'm kind of used to that. Yeah, is, are we are we bringing the 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 students back into the classrooms there too? I sure am. Uh, I'm going to have in-person classes uh, as long as I'll be allowed to do them because I just think that the in-person experience is so important. That A lot of my material will be online, and a lot of instructors do have online classes. I totally respect that. I think it's just a matter of, you know, some of us prefer to teach online. Some of us prefer to teach in person. Uh, I just prefer to teach in person. And uh, mask or no mask, I I love the classroom. I prefer to learn online in my underwear while I don't have to, you know. (laughs) That's probably a a thought you don't want to think about is uh, how are your students uh, taking in an online class? Can your students go? Can they can they if they don't want to come into the classroom, will you just turn your phone on its side and, and, and prop it up somewhere so that they can listen to your lecture? Or do they have an option like that? Not that you literally do that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> well, last semester, I did have that option where students could attend in person or online. Uh, this semester, students taking my class will be required to attend in person, but we do have other online options if they would prefer to not do that. So it's all about giving students the option. We we found that some students really did prefer to remain online throughout the semester, and some students really did want to come back to the classroom. And I was kind of surprised at how even that split was. Yeah, it was about half and half, half of the students who you thought online worked pretty well for them, like the flexibility, you know, Rick, like the maybe more casual dress that they could do <laughs> while in the class. <laughs> and then others you know, like to be in the classroom. And I totally get that, too. Which way Which way were you surprised that it was 50-50 or were you surprised that less, you know, do you think students would rather be in the classroom or would rather be at home? What I found, Rick, was that my older students, like my juniors and seniors, preferred the online option, and the younger students, the first and second year students, really preferred the in-person option. So it seems like, you know, kind of the newer the newer you were to college, the more you wanted to kind of be on campus and enjoying college life and being in the classroom and all that stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. I uh, when I my first year in college, because you have you have like your it's not a counselor, whoever like helps you pick your classes that first semester, first couple of semesters. Well, he gives me all the, the general ed classes, but they, they were all at eight and nine in the morning. And man, I figured that out second semester. I can pick my own classes. And when I get to go to them, what am I? I'm no longer. And I don't think I ever took a class before 10 a.m. after that. <laughs> well, Rick, my very first class in college was 7.45 a.m. biology. And let's just say that... That was a learning experience for me, not so much because I learned a lot about biology, but because I learned that I don't want to take 
classes at 7.45 a.m. when you have total choice. Like you said, you have total choice over when you take your classes. Uh, yeah, biology uh, was the class that changed me from going to be, so to speak, a gym teacher, essentially, is kind of what I wanted to do. And and then I, I changed to a comm major just for, for whatever. I'm not even real because I did well in all my English uh English like testing and, and when you get into college I'm like whoa look at all my scores in English I should and clearly people are like yeah right Rick but uh but biology here's my <laughs> biology 160 experience and I was getting an F and it was a couple weeks into so you could drop the class um if you remember we called it an Elmo do you remember the thing you could put the clear piece of paper over the light and it would project it on the project onto the onto the wall essentially you remember those things yep and, and and they're more electronic. No, they're not even. They don't even exist anymore, right? Like because you could just do it with a computer. No. Well, my biology. I do not prof- have. I do not have those in the classroom at all. <laughs> right. You just like yeah. You could put your laptop, uh, whatever you're looking at, on your computer screen up onto the whatever onto the wall. And um, okay, so my biology teacher he puts. Uh, he he's got slides for for a microscope. So maybe this is a little different, but. Uh, and and he would put whatever an amoeba on there, and it would it would zoom at a hundred miles an hour in and out of the picture. And he goes, "Okay, this is an amoeba. Remember what that is? It'll be on the test. You know, we're supposed to draw it or something, and and remember what it was. And then he'd take it down after like ten seconds. He put the next one up. Well, these things are going a hundred miles an hour. You can't draw them, and you like you can't even hardly see them, and they're only up there ten seconds, and they're going to be on the test. And see you later." And I was, and that was it. I was like, I, and then the next step was like, remember all the veins and arteries in a rat. And I'm like, I want to be a gym teacher. I don't know how this correlates. And uh, later I, I started to understand the, uh, the, you know, you got to understand how children balance and, and, you know, you're, you're trying to get their motor skills, you know, up to par. Uh, so, but, but, but at that point I was like, I don't, I don't want to know any of this. And, and therefore I changed my majors and I regretted it ever since. No, I'm just kidding. Now, were, were you a big fan of gym class growing up? Oh, yeah. I was, you know, number one gym. Number one in gym class. <laughs> like, the, the, you, you had to take it. We had gym outfits, like a gym little red, you know, the yep. really, really short shorts and a big heavy shirt. Like a really heavy, I want to say like a polyester two-sided shirt. It was red and white, so you could flip it. Um, yeah, and then my, definitely the sweaty guy in school, but, you know, wanted to be the best at whatever it was, whether it was badminton, uh, floor hockey or, or basketball. Well, you're, I mean, you're a talented volleyball player nowadays though. I mean, were you always good at volleyball? No, I, 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 and I don't know if I'm talented anymore, especially after a (laughs) pandemic. Um, but, uh, I probably picked volleyball up at, at like 30 some years old, maybe 28 years old, went oh for the summer, my first two years playing volleyball. Like, refused to play in a B league uh, at the Black Horse and Winona, played in the A league, went oh for the summer, never won a, never won a, a, a game all summer, but ref- and then eventually started to pick it up. <laughs> well, I, I just remember the awful smell of the boys' locker room when oh, I was in gym class growing up. I think, I think that I remember that more than any. <laughs> Speaking of masks, like you would need like a, a pretty heavy duty mask to like survive that just horrific smell of the boys' locker room. Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm getting a, a text here from Candace. She's uh, all caps. It's called physical education, Rick. So. Uh, I knew that was coming, um, but uh, yeah, the 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 worst smell. So I was a sports journalist in Winona and, and lacrosse for for about a decade. The worst smell 
from any particular sport was the hockey locker room, essentially, like the hockey players, because they never washed their gear. And football would be a close second. But for some reason, hockey was just so much worse. And and maybe because they had different kinds of pads and more pads to wear. um, Man, it just it was the worst smelling thing. And I always a little bit uh, those interviews went a little bit quicker than any others. The hockey (laughs) players. You know, probably didn't get their due diligence when I had to. Also, because I'm just not the biggest hockey player, uh, hockey fan. But I did. Uh, I used to do a column called "Before I Get Old," and I would go and participate with whatever sport. I I I, I hit against an all-state pitcher uh, for softball, and then I played goalie for the hockey team. Well, the hockey team just unleashed on me because uh, they didn't have the greatest season. So my articles about the hockey team weren't the greatest. So they like to just really, um, the Winona High hockey team really unleashed on me when I was at goalie. Were you guys trying to score goals? Hell no. We were trying to hit you in the head with hockey pucks. <laughs> but ended up scoring anyway. Yeah, pro- yeah, of course, because I wasn't, I wasn't blocking any of these. Um, whole bunch of calls. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screen these calls. I got to get Scott's comment, or not Scott's comment, Brad doing the news. Scott's comment coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll be back with UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Jagoski after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse political science professor and uh, Jim aficionado, <laughs> or physical education aficionado, Dr. Anthony Jagoski on with us. Uh, two calls I got on uh, during the news break, and I thought I'd bring them on, but the, not productive. Eric wanted to said we were comparing. Uh, he wanted to come on and talk about women's bathrooms versus men's bathrooms. The smell, apparently, and I was like, Eric, that's not what. What are he's like? You're comparing them, and I'm like, okay, well, that's not a, what we're doing at all. Um, and then I asked him how often he was in a women's bathroom to be able to compare that, and he said, not at all. Uh, so we're not talking about that. We were talking about locker rooms because uh, glory days of uh, high school physical education, or more, more, more like middle school, I, I would say, and then my time as a journalist. And then uh, another guy came on and said that you're a liberal. We only talk about. Uh, we're, we don't we don't have enough balance because you're a liberal and because you're from UW Lacrosse. So that was that, <laughs> that was where that conversation not a not a great conversation. Rick, can I just I say this? I had a student last semester who told me, you know, after taking your class for four months now, I still have no idea what your political views are, and I took that as like the highest compliment ever because. I think that there's a lot of suspicion out there that professors were these sort of like liberals pushing an agenda, trying to brainwash our students. But there's actually just a study that came out that showed that a person's roommate has way more of an effect on their political attitudes during college than the professors do. So if you want to think about why students have the political views that they do, turns out that their peers are way more of an influence than their professors are. Well, here's the other here's the other thing. When I remember my college ba- days, and we harken back to our our, our, our youth a little bit, um, <laughs> I never paid attention to one single thing about politics. I remember my girlfriend at the time was going to vote for Mitt Romney. Would that be like 2000, the 2000 era around that time? Would Mitt Romney have run for president? George that Bush? That was uh, 2012. Okay, that's way. So, what are uh, around two thousand, whatever election that was? Um, I can't think of who was it. George Bush. Uh, George Bush. Yeah, she was voting for George Bush, and I voted uh, out of spite because she was 
George Bush because she was pro-life, anti-abortion, okay. whatever. And that was her only issue. And she was like, I'm voting for Bush because Republican because pro-life. And I was like, well, what about all the other stuff? And so out of spite, I just voted for the other guy. I think it was John Kerry. Is that right? Sound about right, John Kerry? Oh, that was Al Gore, actually. That was that really close election that came down to a couple hundred votes in Florida and was ultimately sort of decided by the Supreme Court because they shut down this recount. And so ultimately, this election, the 2000 election, is just like insanely close because if you had flipped like 600 votes in Florida the other direction, then Al Gore would have been president. Yeah. How, how uh, did we storm the Capitol that year or not? I don't believe there was an insurrection that year. What about the next year? Because it would have maybe the next year because it's right around that time where the year flips. No, I no. don't believe there was an insurrection then either. Okay, an insurrection attempt, not an insurrection. Number three is calling in. I don't want to wake up, make him wait on hold and try to listen to the because I know number three doesn't want to listen to us talk about that. What do you got, number three? I like Ike. That it? That's all you got? <laughs> no, I, I this little guy, this little dude you got down there today. He was on Mike Hayes' show this morning. Yes, this morning or yesterday morning? This morning. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, Tregoski, I told you not to do that. Tell Hayes you can't come <laughs> on on the same day. <laughs> I tell you what, he's getting more popular than Joe Heim. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I I don't know. Well, maybe because Joe Heim's going to go ride off, riding off into the sunset a little bit. Joe Heim's recently retired, I believe. Well, Joe Heim's got all kinds of time now that he ain't working, but this little guy's getting more airtime than Joe Heim. <laughs> Tregoski, you're getting called the little guy. I don't know. Is Joe Heim bigger than you? the little guy. Well, I seen you on TV the other day. TV adds 10 pounds to Tregoski. I don't know. You seem <laughs> 10 or 20. And if you look at the Facebook Live video that I'm on, it's, it adds like 80 pounds. I don't, so people just don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, well uh, how do you measure up with Joe Heim? If we were going to, if we were going to, you guys are going to play basketball, you'd be like, you know, him, have you ever like, do you, do you measure up? Could you take him? Joe Heim and I are great friends <laughs> and Joe Heim is a gem and he is so, uh, he's such an amazing person and we're so lucky to have him in the lacrosse area. He is, he's just an amazing friend and he's super smart and I will never. I, I I have no ambitions to replace Joe Heim. There will never be another Joe Heim. And I mean, he was like the lacrosse. He was in the lacrosse. Uh, what do you call it for the uh, Oktoberfest uh, parade? He was like one of the, like one of one of the Oktoberfest people. Yeah. I, I'm showing my lack of knowledge. Oh, I, I totally know what you're talking about. And uh, the royalty, Brad might come storming yeah, in here to tell yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the Oktoberfest royalty. I have no idea, but Brad will, if Brad is listening in the newsroom, he will thunder in uh, because he's Captain Oktoberfest and he's not even royalty. Um, so, uh, okay, so, oh, geez, here he comes. Here he comes. Brad, what is it called? Oktoberfest royalty. What's that? Maple Leaf Parade Marshal. There you go. Tchaikovsky. Maple Leaf Parade Marshal. That's what Joe Heim was, and well deserved. Well so there. Deserved. Now we've talked about something local. Hey, okay. So let's let's get in. We got five minutes before <laughs> we we go to Scott's comment in the news. Um, the 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 Wisconsin Friday news bump dump a little bit is that Republicans want to get rid of the mask mandate in the state, so we won't have to wear masks yep. and. Um, it seems it seems like a, a weird time. It's not like we're doing any better with the virus. We might know a, quite a bit more about the virus, 
But what we know is that masks are are the thing that work. So the idea that we're going to get rid of the mask mandate is uh, a little bit, it just seems a little foolish. Why are we doing this? Well, Rick, it's because you have a letter signed by 27 members of the Wisconsin state legislature, all Republicans, expressing support for a resolution that would end Wisconsin's statewide mask mandate. Now, Tony Evers just extended the mask mandate, and the mask mandate did survive a court challenge. But the legislature does have the power to undo it. And it's an interesting situation because the governor does not have the ability to veto this particular thing that the legislature is considering. So if it passes both the state assembly and the state and the state senate, then the mask order would indeed come to an end. And the news that we have lately is that the state senate will take up this matter on Tuesday of next week. And then the question is, what will the state assembly do? Will the state assembly take this up and ultimately bring this mask order to an end? Of course, private businesses and private organizations can do what they please when it comes to requiring masks. But the governor's order, will that survive and, you know, kind of force people's hand or make it a a statewide governmental requirement it's really up in the air and it hinges on what robin boss wants to do with this thing how about this for a theory the republicans can do the get rid of the mask mandate and they'll be you know cheered as heroes from whoever wants to cheer the the fact that we get rid of a mask mandate and they're only doing that because then they'll look good and they take zero responsibility for it because Joe Biden is now president and he's going to do a like a federal is a, a nationwide mask mandate. So they don't even have to look like the bad guys anymore. They hey, look, we're fighting to get rid of it. And then meanwhile, dirty Joe Biden is trying to make you put on a mask. Is, 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 do you think that's part of this? It could be, Rick, and I think that would reflect a misunderstanding of what Joe Biden's executive order was. What Joe Biden's executive order was, it related to federal property requiring masks and distancing on federal property. And it also talked about interstate travel. So state, so trains and planes and, and other forms of transportation that cross state lines, that is fair game for the federal government. So it really doesn't apply to much when you think about it. Like it just applies to federal property and interstate transportation. So but you, it is a mask order that Joe Biden has issued, and you know if people want to express their opposition to that, then they might do something like the Wisconsin State Legislature is considering next week. So even Joe Biden's tiptoeing around the the, the mask mandate. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of tiptoeing. There's just not a lot he can do, Rick, through executive order here. I mean, he he does have the power pretty clearly to order masks in interstate travel and in okay federal property but beyond that just not a lot he can do when it comes to requiring masks all right before we get to scott's comment which is dr chagoski's favorite thing uh mark texted in he said you're dodging this question chagoski he said i uh, can you beat joe Heim at basketball we want to know <laughs> 
Rick, I will I I I will do a one-on-one basketball game with Joe Heim if he wants to. Anytime anywhere. Okay, well not, not anytime. We we have to wait until, you know, probably after September. we get vaccinated. Yeah, after the vaccine. All right. Scott's coming <laughs> Scott's comment coming up, so I got to put Chagoski on hold so he can uh, listen to that. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I don't know why I turned the mic on to uh, clear my throat. It's a little backwards there. UW Lacrosse political science professor Anthony <laughs> Chagoski. Do you do you have uh, do you ha- what do you do? Just hold your phone way far away when you got to clear your throat. Is that what you're doing? Well, I don't have a cough button. I mean, you have a cough button, right? I can pot down the mic pretty quickly. So okay. And with all the COVID that I have, I, I have to do it all the time. <laughs> Um, all right, so we were talking about a couple of things, but in in the midst of our, you know, not, it's not like we're doing a super serious talk here on a Friday, but we we talked about the insurrection attempt at the at the Capitol, and it's old news, right? Like by the by now, it's kind of old news, although the impeachment trial appears to be headed to the to the Senate for Monday, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, Rick. So the articles of of impeachment will be formally transmitted to the Senate on Monday of next week. And so that kind of kicks things into motion as far as a trial is concerned. Uh, really not clear how the trial will go. And certainly Republicans are, you know, saying that, look, this is going to hold up some things on Biden's agenda. Ron Johnson even came out and said that, look, you can have the confirmation of national security officials. You can have an impeachment trial, but you can't have both. Uh, so basically, Republicans are saying, if we do the impeachment trial, that's the only thing we're going to do. Now, Democrats in the Senate have said, well, let's keep going with nominees. Let's keep going with bills. At the same time, we're doing the impeachment trial. So, so Ron, is this Ron- is uncharted territory for the Senate, and I really don't know how it's going to play out, but next week we're going to start to get some answers about how this trial will proceed. Is it one of these deals where the Senate has done so little that they're used to about four or five hours of work a week? They punch in, you know, hour a day here, hour a day there, then they go home, and now they almost have a 40-hour work week? They might get to a 40-hour work week starting next week? Oh, the Senate has done incredibly little during January. Uh, They were out of session for a solid two weeks, uh, actually during the insurrection attempt and then during the impeachment vote by the House. So the Senate has been very inactive lately, and they're still trying to hash out the power sharing between the Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, and the Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, uh, now that the Democrats effectively have a majority, but they do have to figure out kind of how this is going to work with a 50-50 Senate, how this power sharing is going to go. And what Mitch McConnell wants to do is get Democrats to pledge that they will not get rid of the filibuster, the requirement that it takes 60 votes to pass most legislation. Mitch McConnell wants to get the Democrats to promise that they'll keep that 60-vote threshold in place for most legislation. The Democrats want to keep it on the table, this potential, uh, the potential for getting rid of that, because they want to be able to sort of hang, have that hanging over the Republicans. 
that if the Republicans don't play ball, if the Republicans don't work with them, then they can get rid of the filibuster. That's kind of the Democrats' point of view here. But a lot of complicated procedural stuff going on in the Senate when it comes to this, what exactly it looks like to have a 50-50 Senate and what exactly it looks like to have an impeachment trial while you got other stuff going on, too. I always thought the filibuster was when, uh, you know, a super old white congressman got up and, and talked a bill uh, to to its death. He just he talked and talked. And for 20, 24 hours, you see this on like Parks and Rec every once in a while. Like uh, the, the, I can't think of the, the star of the show, but she uh, she talks until until it's over. The, the meeting is over and we don't get the vote on the bill. That's not what a filibuster is, huh? That's kind of like the TV or the movie version of a filibuster. In practice, what it means is that it takes 60 votes to cut off debate on most items okay. of uh, that the Senate considers. Now, there are important exceptions to that, but there are a lot of people out there who think that this is archaic, that this just serves to obstruct uh, things and prevent things from getting passed, even if a majority of senators approve of them. So the future of the filibuster is really up in the air, and that is a real sticking point in how the Senate is going to move forward. So, I mean, the Senate is really where the action is at, though, because of the Senate, it's incredibly slow-moving action. Well, when I when we first started talking about this, I was making fun of the fact that the Senate for the last four years probably hasn't been, hasn't done any, hasn't clocked in a 40-hour work week over the last four years. So when, when we propose, hey, we're going to do, we're going to be passing bills, nominating, uh, you know, uh, what, chair people, and trying to impeach a president, or he, at least hearing, you know, before because everyone's votes probably predetermined. Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do more than one thing now in the Senate, and everyone's like, whoa, 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 we might have to get overtime for this now. That's what I was saying. <laughs> well, they are all forced to sit there, and they are only allowed to have a pen and a notebook. They're not allowed to have any electronic devices during a uh, in right. an impeachment trial. So, I mean, think about how terrible that must be for the senator. I mean, like, think of these poor senators, Rick. Like, well, they have to sit the, there and listen and the average, only use pen and paper. The average age of a senator is like 60 years old. Most <laughs> of them guys just, they don't, it's not like they're on their phones anyway. They don't even, they don't have, you know, they have flip phones. So, um, it might be nodding off during it. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> And that's not true at all, because if you go to any senator's page, they have uh, social media gurus dividing and hate it, getting our country to divide and hate each other every moment of every day. Um, Joe's calling in. I want to see what Joe wants here. Joe, go ahead. So I don't want to get bogged down in the nuances. I think where the real question is, is how long after Biden raises uh, corporate tax rate, 7 or 8 percent, um, how long until all these deals get enacted that were supposed to be enacted if Hillary would have won, you know, for like overseas manufacturing, shut down manufacturing here, get back into the Paris Accord so that we can subsidize the um, industry that's going on in um, India so they don't have to follow any EPA rules. I thought you didn't want to get into the weeds. Person. You're really, you're okay. into the weeds. You're already into the weeds. Well, I'm just wondering how long until we start doing that as a government and then they point out why we're losing jobs here is because trump was so terrible and they told us but really they're selling off america and you know trying to produce everything overseas 
Well, they instead they, of here, like Trump was trying to do. How long until that starts happening? Well, then we, how long will you guys cover up for the Democrats? All those corporations send their jobs overseas because you can pay people fourteen cents an hour. So well, mean, no, Trump lowered the tax rate so that they could re bring the money here and open up industry here because we believe that if we make the money, you know, where we are the beacon of the world, we should be the ones as the superpower. Because when we do good here, we do good for the rest of the world. Okay, well, that sounds uh, a little ridiculous. Um, I don't know. Do you want to get into the weeds on that, Chagoski? It's a lot of weeds. Well, I, I don't know that a lot of what was talked about there is going to actually happen because the Democrats just have razor-thin majorities in both the House and the Senate. So, I mean, even on the... You know, on these things that are very controversial, the votes are not going to be there in in Congress. It's going to be a slog for the Democrats to pass much of anything significant on their agenda. It's going to be a real slog for them because they just have these really, really narrow majorities to contend with. And and, and those narrow majorities are going to be tough to stick together. I mean, they're going to have to stick together. But Democrats don't always stick together. So we'll see what happens. Unless we get rid of this filibuster. Have we gone back and forth on the filibuster in history? So essentially, if we got rid of the filibuster, the Senate wouldn't need 60 votes to pass something without debate. They would. Right. Okay. so I'm learning here. Um, And then it'll just be a majority where Kamala Harris would be the deciding vote, maybe. Right. Uh, That's exactly right, Rick, uh, because Kamala Harris would cast the tie vote in the event of a 50-50 vote. Uh, Have we we got items? That's not even an issue because most items do take 60. Okay, so have we. Okay, and then so getting rid of the filibuster. Have we done that before? Have we gone back and forth on that? So we went from 67 votes down to 60, but that's been the major change. Okay, when did that happen? Oh, gosh, that happened several decades ago. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like a thing that we just did. Um, so this would be like, this would be a little bit groundbreaking to get rid of the filibuster. Yeah, it would. I mean, it would make the Senate just act on straight up majority rules. And that's already been done for nominees. The Democrats and then later the Republicans stripped out the 60 vote requirement for judges and for other nominees. But it's just that for major bills, it does still take 60 votes. So, and that's why, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're thinking that the Democrats are going to pull off just massive policy changes, I, I, then you need to explain how they can do that with 10 Republicans in the Senate signing on. Yeah. Otherwise we're going to go four years with uh, basically being the Wisconsin state legislature the last (laughs) nine months in um, let's see, 16, 17, 18, 19, nine months in six days. Well, maybe maybe our streak is broken next week by repealing the mask mandate. Well, that's what I was going to bring up is our our state legislature has literally not passed a single bill in nine months and six days. April 16th, the last time the governor signed something that passed both the Senate and the Assembly. So this would be a but the governor is not going to sign a, a bill that would get rid of the mask mandate. But you're saying he doesn't have to. Right. The thing, in fact, Rick, it goes into effect regardless of what the governor wants. Um, so this is this the governor has no role in this current debate over the mask mandate going through the Wisconsin state legislature. So can the assembly technically sign something and then the Senate can sign something and then they can say, hey, look, we signed something in, in agreement 
and therefore I can't I can't call out this nine month six day thing anymore. <laughs> then boom, the streak is over. They finally passed something. Yeah, yeah. Because last week we did a whole show on hey, why don't they pass uh, what did you call it cocktails to go? Like just pass that, yeah. and then we'd be we'd be done with the whole ripping on the Senate. I couldn't go back because I I no longer can say that we haven't met in session for more than a minute because we had to confirm the new the the new legislature. We had I don't know if confirms the right was swear in. Uh, so technically, we had to do that, and they've met a couple of times since then. So we can't pick on them for that. Now we can pick on them for actually passing a bill. So, um, but yeah, if they do the the whole mass thing, I'm still gonna I'm gonna say like we need some unity here. We need to uh, go all three the the assembly, the senate, and then the governor needs to sign something. And uh, the, you know, Tuesday they're gonna meet on COVID, but I don't. I'm not holding my breath with a mask on. Well. I, I think I think Robin Voss is a little nervous about this. I think Robin Voss realizes that repealing the mask mandate is bad politics, but there is support for it within his caucus. There is support for it among Republican lawmakers. So he has to kind of balance that, you know, an issue that is unpopular with public opinion versus something that is popular within his own caucus. And how he weighs those two considerations will really determine how this turns out, because it's almost certain to be passed in the state Senate, and that puts the ball in the state assembly's court about the future of the mask mandate. Uh, Kevin texts in, why are we worried about no bills being signed? You got to answer that? Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm worried about it, but man, we're not even debating the bills. We're just gaveling in and out of them, except for the COVID thing. We're, I guess we're debating there. Um, but we're we're not even debating. We had a, a gun a gun legislation um, uh, quite a while ago, and then in August we had policing reform bills that were that were worth worthy of debate. Um, when we talk about Scott's comments, uh, cameras, body cams, there's a bill we could pass. Uh, set you know give police police uh, you know stations and and county sheriffs money to get body cams throughout the state, like or mandate body cams. Um, we could pass that, no problem, I think. But we're we're not even debating these bills. We're gaveling in and out of session in under thirty seconds. Um, and then there was one just last week, or yeah, this week, right? Didn't we do that this week? The thirty second session on updating our unemployment system. And that's my concern, Rick, because the legislature is supposed to be a deliberative body, but there's next to no deliberation that has been going on there. I mean, you know, let's at least have a public debate over these issues, right? I mean, let's at least have lawmakers get up there and take positions and see if there's common ground to be found. But our legislature, there's next to no deliberation going on there. It's just completely driven by the the party leaders. And, and you know, this is – and by the way – this is supposedly a full-time state legislature, which is just a joke. I mean, you know, if if what the person texting in, you know, if we if we don't want our legislature to do much, then let's make it a part-time legislature that meets like one month a year. But this is a full-time legislature that is not acting like it. Yeah, and we kind of did the one month a year thing last year, almost. I mean. It was a pandemic, and I think they set the agenda when they were going to meet. But then, you know, hey, we got to do something. This virus is getting out of control. Uh, people everywhere in the state and everywhere are struggling. We should do something to help. Well, let's fight about it for, uh, you know, the next forever. Yeah, I mean, like, if they don't want to be a full-time legislature, then they can cut their pay. Then they can cut their staff assistance. 
then they can cut their resources. And if they don't want to be a full-time legislature, then they should make those tough decisions to not be a full-time legislature. But don't be a full-time legislature on paper and then not a full-time legislature in practice. That's just incredibly wasteful and just an insult to the people of Wisconsin. If somebody wants to get reelected here and maybe do this right before election, right? Like, uh, let's just, I talked to Steve Doyle this week. Let's just say Steve Doyle, he, here's a bill we could, we would all as a, maybe as an entire state would be a hundred percent behind almost is, uh, Steve Doyle presents a bill that the state legislature is moving to a part-time legislature, cutting his pay, cutting his staff, uh, and, and then whatever, like, uh, we, we, who wouldn't approve of that? I mean, that would be the most popular bill in the, in the entire state, the way things are looking. And we could say uh, we signed something. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if they want to be a part-time legislature, then let's see them vote to cut their own pay to down to 5000 a year. You know, that, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. Um, I, one more quick break, and then I, I just want to talk about dueling congressmen for for a minute. We'll be back. All right, wrapping up here. I, I dig two two things I want to get to with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Real quick, um, somebody texted in. They're at a bar in town, and it's packed. Do, does the state have a twenty five percent restaurant capacity? They the state does not have a capacity. Lacrosse County has a 25% capacity, quote-unquote, suggestion. And other stores uh, around the around the state are also following that. I feel like Black Friday, they talked about, I feel like around Black Friday we had a 25% capacity thing, but maybe it was also a suggestion where stores decided um, it was in their best interest to not have 10,000 people in the store at one time. <laughs> well, uh, and, and Rick, that's why I find it a little strange when people – you know, talk about, well, you know, in Wisconsin, we shut down the economy and look where that got us. I mean, the economy hasn't, we haven't had shutdowns for a very, very long time because, I mean, the Wisconsin State Supreme Court threw out the major shutdown order back in the spring. And since then, the courts have tossed out similar orders and similar requirements. And so, you know, if if a bar is not full, if a restaurant is not full, it's just because people don't wish to go there. I mean, yeah, that, that would be why. Yeah, a little uncomfortable going into a restaurant. So the one place where people's mouths are open, we're talking, we're kind of, we're packed a little bit tighter. Uh, I will say I went to a bar uh, right at the end of the Packer game to get takeout. Uh, one lone mask hanging on a coat hanger or a coat coat hook, one lone mask, no coats. And then you walk by that mask and you see, you know, a hundred people in the bar, uh, shoulder to shoulder, screaming and yelling because the Packers are winning, and I felt uh, super COVID-y. Um, one more thing. So uh, our, our our congressman in the area, Jim Hagedorn, a Republican representing Minnesota right right around here, and Ron Kine, a Democrat representing you know Wisconsin right around here, both posted outrage over National Guard members essentially you know, being forced to vacate the Capitol. And we heard at the top of the hour a lot of these National Guard members now have covid um, so it is kind of funny, like, well, we're keeping them in this capital all packed because they're all packed tight together. They have masks on for the most part, from what I can see from the pictures. But, uh, you know, probably not the greatest look either way. But both of them are mad. Uh, Ron Kine, this is disgraceful. These men and women in uniform have made sure uh, we've stayed safe. There's plenty of space in our capital and office buildings. Whoever made this decision needs to reverse it immediately. That's Ron Kine's take. Eh, kind of down the middle. Uh, Jim Hagedorn's take. National Guard troops have not been treated well by Speaker Pelosi, who oversees Capitol Complex security and other congressional leaders, 
First white troop, uh, first white troops were called possible insider threats by a radical Democrat congressman, and then troops were unceremoniously dispatched to a parking garage. The whole episode reeks of misusing National Guardsmen. Again, I ask a simple question: Where is Minnesota's governor on this? Uh, at something that's at the Capitol, but Minnesota's governor used to be a National Guardsman, and he goes on and on there with it. So there's two. Here, here's here's where social media just wants to divide and conquer. Um, you know, when it comes to our our politicians, and uh, it just bugs me that we that that we this is how things are now. A lot of members of Congress nowadays seem to care a lot more about generating outrage on social media and generating bookings on cable news than they actually care about this novel idea of representing the people and of, you know, making law, making improvements to the current law, you know, passing new laws that will make things better. It's a real shame. It's a real shame that this is happening, that we have so many lawmakers who are more focused on hot takes than they are focused on doing their job. Yeah, and, and Ron Kind, he kind of makes it pretty general. He said, we shouldn't be doing this. Uh, don't kick the peop- the National Guardsmen out of the Capitol. There's plenty of room. And then Jim Hagedorn's got to, you know, he, he's got to pick on, you know, multiple people he's got to pick on. There's a Representative Cohen, uh, Tim Walls, Speaker Pelosi, and then an unnamed Democrat congressman is how he calls it. Uh, so, it, yeah, just it, and it just sparks outrage by me included. Like, here I am talking about it. But it it's uh, we're, Jim Hagedorn unleashed on social media the last week since Joe Biden's been president. Yeah, well, uh, and, and you know, he gives the impression that, you know, people who may not have had anything to do with this were, like, directly responsible. But, you know, that's what that's what sells among, you know, people who are into that kind of into that kind of politics. And so, I mean, Jim Hagedorn obviously is no fool in the sense that he knows that that type of rhetoric sells with a certain element of the population. Yeah. All right. UW Lacrosse, political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Thanks a lot for for uh, partying with me on another Friday. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, Rick. Thanks. All right. See ya. All right. That's going to wrap it up for the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we've got our debate set, mayoral debate, February 1st and 2nd, 6 p.m. is going to come right after the show. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Thanks. Have a good weekend.